Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 52, which is our Halloween episode. Spoopy. My name is Delton. I'll be your host. And with me, as always, is my wife, Haley. Spoopy Haley. She is the spoopy wife today. I'm a ghost. Before we even get into the banter, I'm going to crack the first beer because I have a feeling we're going to need the second one, even though it's non-alcoholic. It's fine. The first beer, I guess I should say, the Malthouse Games podcast is all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, things of that sort, and we also drink beer while we discuss things on the show. And apparently Delton really needs it tonight because he's been having this beer in his hand since we were doing the sound checks. He's been holding it in his left hand, just ready to pop the tab at any moment, and we still had to do like our sound checks and our seconds of silence and our introductions, which we totally skipped over in order to grab his beer. Yes. Everything's fine. This is Juicy Goodness, a dry-hopped golden ale from Left Hand Brewing Co. out of Longmont, Colorado. Your juicy goodness. It says a hazy golden ale with tropical and citrus flavors from Fruity Hops. 5.5% alcohol by volume with 29 IBU. You're an IBU. What's that mean? It means I be your sweetie. That was horrible. <laughs> ah. Oh, so bad. Ah. Your jokes are still terrible. You stayed with me, though. Eh. Let's talk about spoopy time. So it was Halloween this week, which we handed out candy. We had like eight groups of like 15 kids. It was really weird. We didn't have like a steady stream of trick-or-treaters. Like it was enough time to watch an entire episode of a spoopy office episode. And we would then have like... 15 kids show up at our door with 18 very nervous-looking parents. And that was pretty much our Halloween. It was pretty great. Yeah, we watched The Office and the first episode of Mary Ann, the scary French series on Netflix. It's very spoopy. Yeah, it was really good. The first episode was creepy, and I feel like it's definitely setting up for really cool and scary things to happen. And I'm excited to continue it and uh, see how it comes, like, plays out. We also had Halloween at work, which was fun. For you. So at the place where I work, I'm the float therapist, so I go around to all the facilities. And the last facility I was stationed at was Oklahoma City's facility, and their theme for Halloween was classic Halloweens, like witches and goblins and all sorts of fun stuff. Well, the place I'm stationed at right now is the Edmund facility, and their theme was trolls, but not like the internet trolls or the uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of trolls that you would see. It's like the movie Trolls, the one that's all sparkly and happy and peppy and pink. And I didn't really realize that, one, we were supposed to bring candy to pass out because the kids actually trick-or-treated our doors. And two, you're supposed to dress the theme. I'm really glad that I asked for clarification or else I would have been dressed as the murderer in the forest, Zalgo, while everyone else was dressed as a pink sparkly troll. Yeah, Haley's Zalgo costume or whatever is just a bodysuit. And it's spooky because she has weird movements. It's a talent of mine, really. And it's really spooky. She wore it several years ago at our Halloween party. And I was about to wear that because, I I mean, I knew there was a theme, but I was like, we're decorating it. We've been decorating for the last month in that theme. It didn't really click that I had to dress up like that, too. So last minute, I made a troll hair out of cardboard and staples, and it was great. And I brought my guitar and just played songs from the movie Trolls and played for like seven minutes while the kids trick-or-treated and then it was over and I was like my head's sticky and I don't match my clothes and I didn't feel like Halloween because I wasn't spoopy because I try to go real spoopy on Halloween. It's always fun to try to be spooky and wear scary costumes and stuff but the problem is is having a good costume that's scary is tough. Yours works because your weird motions. We should share it on the podcast. We'll, We'll retweet it. That old gif? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to find that, that little video. Facebook reminded me of it the other day, like two days ago. I had posted it. Oh, perfect. We'll just steal it from that and I'll post it. Okay, because I'm, I'm pretty spoopy. I, I'm proud of myself for how spoopy I am. Worst comes to worst, I can just put it on again and show the world. And just redo the spooky movements. With Penny in the background just staring at me like, what? Yeah, the cats never know what to think about Halloween costumes. I remember whenever we had our Halloween party and I wore the Zalgo suit. Uh, just coming at people in my own house. Like, we were having the party, and like people would come in my front door, and I would just start chasing them with it, and how many people screamed. It was great. It was really good. We had some good Halloween costumes at our different parties we've had. But unfortunately, this year, we didn't get to have our Halloween party. 
uh, my grandma B, the one who gave me the cowboy erotic novels in the Brom sack, <laughs> and the one that has given us many stories over the years, including Delton, do you want to tell the one of our wedding shower? Uh, at our wedding shower, we getting opening all the presents in front of everyone, which is a very weird thing to do. I'm just going to say that for any of you who have not experienced opening presents in front of someone, it's terrifying. And we get some kitchen stuff, which is awesome. And we get a pancake spatula, which I've been wanting because I make good pancakes and it can flip do. a whole make, pancake. He makes good pancakes. It's right on. It's a big, wide spatula. And I pull it out of the bag and I go, oh, perfect, a pancake spatula. To which Haley's grandma says, well, he can give her a good spanking with that one. <laughs> and laughs. And, and everyone heard it. Everyone heard it. And Delton was just like, what am I getting into? And he was already <laughs> married to me at that point, so there's no escaping. And my sister, Riley, who's writing down the gift stuff, is like, just don't even look up, just don't even look up, just don't even look up. Yeah, Riley made sure we did not address what just happened, but it was the funniest thing. Well, Grandma B has passed away, unfortunately. And so that's why we've been kind of silent over the Facebooks and the Twitters for the last couple of weeks. Uh, she had a long, great life. She was living at home until about two mm -hmm. weeks ago. Uh, then she just fell ill. She's had congestive heart failure for a while. And within a, a week of falling ill, she had passed away. So we've been in Elk City back and forth attending to her in her last few days and mm -hmm. then her funeral and being there with my parents. So it's been a rough couple of weeks. But let's have a drink to her, to Grandma B. To Grandma B. <laughs> <laughs> that is how Grandma B would laugh, as well as ask to feel my beard and how soft it is. And then make sure to remind me that she likes it when men have nice, trim, short beards. Speaking <sighs> of Grandma B and her kindness, apparently, I don't think I've told you this yet. Okay. Um, her last couple of days that she was speaking, she told Mom that she wanted to get one last Christmas present for everybody. My grandma knew she was passing, and so she wanted to get one last Christmas present for everybody. And you guys are not going to believe what Delton is getting for Christmas. What'd she get, everyone? I'm not telling you. You guys got to stay it, tuned. Is it just more peanut brittle? Just wait. <laughs> you're going to uh, you're going to die. It's going to be great. Is it? I mean, that? you're not really going to die, unless you probably eat that peanut brittle. Yeah. Is it peanut brittle? It's not peanut brittle. Or is it more photos? Delton. What? You're going to love it. All right. Well, I guess uh, all you listeners, stay tuned because I don't even know what it is. Haley won't tell me. <laughs> So stay tuned for our Christmas episode and you will find out what Grandma B's <laughs> last present to Delton will be. Friggin', it better not be one of those goddamn clocks in her house. I will nope. burn that clock to the ground. Bomb sack full of erotic novels, yeah, Delton. Yeah, right. But yes, that's what we've been up to the last two weeks. We've been spending a lot of time with family and letting Haley and her family especially go through the grieving process. So as Haley said, we've been quiet on social media for the most part. We're going to try to get back into everything now that we've kind of you know, moved through the grief process and got through this rough time. And here we are back again, having a drink and able to laugh about it. So love you, Grandma. Yep. Grandma B. <laughs> <laughs> so how's the beer? How is juicy goodness from left hand? It is delicious. It tastes like... There's a good mouthfeel to it. It's nice and carbonated. It does leave a little bit in your mouth at the end of the carbonate, like the end of the swallow, the backside but not as thick as, you know, a heavier beer. Eh. It tastes like you're chewing on an orange peel. There's a lot of orange peel in it. It tastes just like, like you're chewing on a tangerine peel, like a really yeah. sweet one, not really as bitter as an orange. And there's not a ton of overpowering hops, which is surprising because the color of the can is orange and green. Hops pictured all over it. It says it's dry hopped as well and all this different stuff, but surprisingly, it's not too hoppy. It's really well-rounded. It really is a good well-rounded beer. It does lean to the hop side, but uh, very tasty. I like it. Would you believe we had this one on our trip last summer as well? We might have. We did. We did? Yeah. We picked it up in Kroger. Oh, in that's Kentucky. right. Every time we take a road trip and the place has a Kroger, we go to Kroger because we never get to go to Kroger because we don't have one here in Oklahoma. And, back, and we buy beer. Back before we had modern liquor laws, my friend Christina and I made a couple of beer runs to Kroger's in Texas because yep. they sold it beer on Sundays afternoon. It was great. And they had fat tire. Bless. Which I couldn't get. Blessed be the fat tire. <laughs> well, I think that covers most of the banter. I do want to go ahead and give a big shout out to our Patreon backers that help us maintain and upgrade equipment for this podcast. 
That is a thank you to Alan from the Tuesday Night Games podcast. Make sure to check them out. Woo! That is at Play TKG. Thank you to Allison, and make sure to go check out her museum exhibit. Woo! And then thank you, Jesse and Catherine. Make sure to check out Jesse at Aquaneer Supreme on Twitch when he streams games, and check out Catherine as the co-host of Autoerotic Education Podcast. Woo! We have shouted those out on Twitter a couple times. You should be able to find them there. Because they are hella swag. Yes, they are. So from there, let's move into the game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game for this episode is one that I think can really work as a Halloween game. It doesn't necessarily market itself as a spooky game, but I think it can be. This is Once Upon a Time, which is a storytelling card game. We learned about this on Tabletop. I believe so. With Will Wheaton. Yeah, Will Wheaton. They played this one of the early episodes, and I always wanted this game, and we could never find it for a cheap price because we were in our early days of college. And I think we found it at Vintage Stock, right? Yes, that is the Vintage Stock ah, sticker. Because it, it was, is. It was, uh, I don't think it was brand new. I think it was used because there was a rubber band around the cards. But it was $20, but we got it at the time when it was like 30% off games. So we, we got Akuza like, the same day. We bought Akuza, we bought this, and we bought one other game. And that was like my fun budget from that paycheck at the time. Whenever you first started making a fun budget. Whenever I first started buying a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Instead of hero clicks. Yes, exactly. So, Once Upon a Time, uh, it is produced and put out by Atlas Games. The game design is Richard Lambert, Andrew Rillstone, and James Wallace. The artwork is Omar Rayon. And the editor and project coordinator and layout is Michelle Nephew, and the publisher was John Nephew. So Once Upon a Time is a fairly simple game to understand. You have story cards and ending cards. At the beginning of the game, each player gets one ending card. This is the ending that you are trying to lead the story to. So that does mean that one player will actually win the game. However, one thing that we've definitely determined is you want to work together to make the most entertaining story for yourselves. You don't just want to try to rush to an ending. Then there are story cards. These story cards are different element. It can be an item, such as a cauldron or a broom. It can be a person, such as a woodsman or a baker. Or it could be something, uh, you know, a place, like a castle or the forest. And what you're going to do in the game is you will start to tell a story. And when you mention an element of the story that actually does drive the story, you will play that card if you have it from your hand. So if I have a hand of cards, and I have one that's a princess and one that's a forest, I can start the story by saying, there was a forest in a faraway land. I can play the forest down. In this forest, there was a group of people living, this and that, blah, 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 continue the story. One of these people happened to be the princess of the nearby kingdom. I can play the princess from my hand. So I'm pushing the story along while also playing my cards. Now, Haley, if I say something that she can interrupt the story, she can take it. So if I say this princess was madly in love with an ogre, and Haley goes, oh, I've got an ogre card. Haley will now take over the story, and I will have to draw another story card. Unless you pass. Unless I pass. So there's a couple stipulations on, the, on this. So basically, you'll tell the story. Now, you don't want to just tell the story, play the cards down from your hand, and nobody else gets a turn. So what they get to do is, if you are stuck, there's a girl in the forest, and uh, it was a big forest. The trees were really tall, and, you know, it's kind of like those forests that we see around here. It's just... There's trees and a lot of underbrush, and you just kind of ramble. They can say, okay, you're not, you're not making the story progress. Progress, that's weird. I said that weirdly. You're not progressing the story. I'm going to take over. And that's a valid move. Then you draw one story card, and they then start the story on from their side and continue, continuing where you left off. Uh, if you contradict yourself in some way or contradict the story, somebody can stop you. If you ramble, or my favorite one is if you get really silly with it, there was a lady, and suddenly she turned into a frog, and there's no real meaning in the story for that. They can decline that and take over the story. Uh, you can also do that when it's an unimportant element, which is a big deal. If you're, like, it's a princess, and she was wearing a dress, and you don't play a dress card. The dress has nothing to do with your story, but you describe the dress in detail to keep the story on your side while you think of other things. They can call you out and stop you. So that's really how the game's going to work. You can interrupt people with some cards based on their type. 
So there are certain interrupt cards. If Haley says she was walking in the woods and she ran across a woodsman, and I have a card that's an interrupt and it says a witch, it's like, actually, it was a witch disguised as a woodsman, and I can take the story over. You'll play that way until you can progress, hopefully, towards your ending card. Uh, like I said, you can't really rush it. You can't say there was a princess, play a card. She lived in the woods, play the woods. She met a woodsman, play the woodsman. And she was happy ever after and play a happy ever after card. It doesn't work that way. Because it would be boring. It would be a boring story. But that's essentially the entire game. Because it's like you want to play the win this game, but that's not really the point. The point is having fun and crafting an interesting story. And... It does take a certain mindset and sometimes a certain type of person to play this game and enjoy playing it with them. But if you have a group that you think is good at storytelling, especially people that like role-playing, it's a very cool game for that because you can play this with young people, old people. You could use it in a classroom, educational purposes. You could do a lot of different things with just these simple two decks of cards. I could really see using this in therapy as like a, a problem-solving so. or like a... Social skills, we got with a lot of kids mm -hmm. together. You could even stack a, the deck, too. Yeah. I could make my own cards of, like, elements of therapy we're using. I think that would be a fun group therapy game. It could be a really fun game. But that is Once Upon a Time. It's a simple game, but we really like it. And if you enjoy that simple storytelling element and using cards in that way and being able to get uh, any number of people, I think the, what's the max people the game goes to? I mean, you could really theoretically have anybody, like as many as you want. Taking your game to work now. Don't Bye. take my game to work now. But it's a fun game, and I always recommend people pick it up if they like that kind of role-play aspect. So, speaking of role-playing aspects... Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top-shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. Just kidding! We don't have a topic today. We don't have a topic today. Today's topic and question is actually going to be us playing Once Upon a Time and trying our darndest to make it spooky for Halloween. So I'm sure our listeners will provide all the questions for us if our story does not make sense. Oh, it's not going to make sense. I'm horrible at this game. <laughs> here's, the, here's the one caveat I have is we have to do voices because I think the voices are the most fun for this game. And the podcast is the perfect place. If I just talked like this. And then she walked into the town and ran across the baker and said, hello, Mr. Baker. And Mr. Baker said, why, hello, princess. Then no one's going to want to listen. Because why would a princess go to her own baker? Duh, there's loopholes in your stories already. Boo! Ugh. But before we get to the play real quick, we're going to open the next beer. Now, the next beer is actually out of California. However, we had a very specific reason for getting this beer for the podcast, which is it is actually an IPA. That's a non-alcoholic IPA. Not everyone is a big drinker, and our friend Zach drinks non-alcoholic beers whenever we're all you know, hanging out having a drink. So we saw this and immediately thought of him. Hi, Zach, if you're listening. Hi, Zach, you're my friend. Hi, Avery. Tell her say, I say hi. A uh, little baby Avery here in Tell her, her cheeks. Tell her say hi. She has lots of cheeks and old man farts. <laughs> old man farts for real. This is from Surreal Brewing Company. It's Juicy Mavs Hazy IPA. It says uh, malt beverage contains less than 0.5% alcohol by volume which I believe is the same amount as like an Old Duels or something like that. Now, it might be a little higher. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But it is considered non-alcoholic. Uh, it says this hazy IPA bursts with tropical malt and citrus characters, accentuated by fruity yeast esters and a subtle clean malt finish. We believe our customers deserve the best craft has to offer and the freedom to choose a great tasting non-alcoholic beer. So I thought that was cool because I know not all of our listeners are going to drink beer. And if you don't drink alcohol or don't want to, but you'd like to try some of the flavors we talk about and maybe see what you think, a non-alcoholic beer is the perfect way to go. And we'll try and do some more investigating to see if there's any other local companies that produce beers like this. Because I feel like this is a great thing. Because, I, I mean, I like beer, but I don't always like the feeling that beer gives me, like the tipsiness or the buzzed or whatever. Sometimes you just want the flavor. Sometimes you just want the flavor because beer is good. Well... Not everyone agrees with that statement, but uh, we sure like beer. <laughs> I like beer, and I like trucks. All right, so before we start playing, let's give this a whiff and see. It smells like beer. It smells very extra malty, which is mm. interesting. Mm. Oh, gosh, it does. It's, it has a ton of malt right mm. up front. It's not terrible. Like The smell is worse than the taste. <laughs> That's not that it's bad. The smell is very strong malty, but the taste does not taste that super, super strong malt. 
It just wasn't what I was expecting. It's not a bad thing. It's very different. It's clean. It's a pretty clean mouthfeel. There's a little bit of a foam. It does have a bit of a back end, and I think that's some of those uh, esters it was talking about, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, in the brew process happens. You know, like the aftertaste that toffee gives you? Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of smoky and sweet and heavy. That's what I feel like this aftertaste is. It does. Like. The 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 front end of this beer is very light and the middle is where you get most of the flavor, but it does it has that aftertaste of a smoky, heavy, almost earthy, like there's something about it that has not quite a bite to it, but there's something in the aftertaste like that's a, different. It's a rich toffee, is what I taste. Almost like a bit of molasses too. Yes, that's it. It's good. That's really, I mean, here's the thing, non-alcoholic beers, uh, from my experience, never taste like a normal beer of the same style. And this, I think, is the same way, except I think this is something so different because it's an IPA. So that's that's just really interesting. I was really interested in this. I know it sounds like I'm rambling about it because I am, but I was very interested in an IPA that is actually non-alcoholic. Yeah, we should check out more of these. Yeah, we'll have to look look them up. All right, this may be a little strange because we're going to be playing. Uh, We both start... With nine cards, it is 11 minus the number of players to a minimum hand of five. Haley, would you... Oh, uh, the way the rules state is you flip a story card, and whoever looks most like the story card is the start storyteller. Uh, That is not anything that anybody can look like. Uh, The king, bearded and regal, I believe I fit said description. Uh, At least the ginger part. At least the ginger part. Okay. So, uh, don't judge us too hard on this. Because we're pretty bad. At least I'm pretty bad at this kind of stuff. So don't forget voices, Delty Poo. Uh, yeah, we'll do voices. Don't, don't, uh, don't judge. Judge, I got a very spoopy ending here. Okay, well, hopefully, uh, it's good. Mine's not as spoopy, but I think we can tie it in. But we're gonna be tying in mine. Oh, oh. They weren't sure who did it. It was a horrible, horrible thing, and sadly, a life was lost because of it. But it seems that the old man was poisoned. No one knew why he would be poisoned. He was a sweet old man. He treated everybody with respect, even little John's stepmother, who some people said was a very crass and harsh old woman. He loved her with every inch of himself. So to see him poisoned and killed the way he was was a very, very sad thing. Nobody understood what the poison was is the biggest mystery here. He wasn't able to be successfully healed, even though the top doctors in the town tried everything they could. In their defense, the top doctors in the town probably just gave him cocaine. <laughs> it was <laughs> cocaine and uh, ether, but that's another story for another time. They tried every concoction from the most scientific to the most holistic. They went all over the nearby countrysides and tried every remedy anybody could think of, but sadly, nothing could heal the poisoned man. I'm going to pass it to you because I'm already stuck. What was the woman's name again? I did not name her. She was the stepmother of Little John. Who's Little John? Is the old man's son. Okay, I don't think that was ever clarified. It's okay. I'm trying my best. Nobody knew why the old man loved the stepmother. Rumors say that once she was the most beautiful woman in the whole kingdom. But with those rumors growing and growing and growing, the queen of the kingdom became very bitter. Very bitter indeed. And so the queen assembled the top witches and wizards in the entire seven lands and begged and pleaded to each of them, promising them all the riches in the realm if they could take away the stepmother's beauty. So they say when she was married was the last day of her beauty. For that night, she fell asleep beautiful and woke up in ruin. When she awoke and had lost her beauty in whatever this mystical way was, she felt lost and unsure of what to do next. Not only had her husband been poisoned, she's raising little John alone, 
but now she is no longer beautiful. Now, not only was the stepmother beautiful before this morning, but she always looked younger than she really was. But now people saw her for closer to her real age. They looked at her as an old person. They looked at her as this elderly woman, which made them pity her even further from the husband's death. Now, no one knew that the queen had done this to the poor stepmother. No one knew who poisoned the old man. Somebody needed to find out. Go ahead. Little John, the old man's son, never knew quite how to feel about his stepmother. Each night as a young boy, he would leave the house and climb up the tree in the back of their farm, look up to the sky, and wonder aloud, Who is this woman? Why is she here? Should I trust her? And as the years went on, and his stepmother worked in the kitchen to make his meals and washed his clothes in the creek and listened to his ailments whenever he was sick, he never could quite trust her. But in this moment, she needed to be able to trust him to avenge his father and her husband's death. He was uncertain, but he needed to be brave at this time. Go ahead. Little John decided to figure out what had happened, not only to his stepmother, but his father as well. So he decided to do something that, since he was young, he was told not to do. You see, there was an old man wizard that lived in the town where Little John lived. He lived down in his own dungeon. And a lot of people tried to steer clear of him. They thought he might have been crazy. They weren't really sure because he talked to himself as he walked by. He had very odd mannerisms. The way he held things was very peculiar. So Little John decided to talk to this old wizard and see if he happened to know of anything. Because with the title of wizard itself, Little John knew, even if he was crazy, he had enough power to find something out. So Little John worked his way outside the walls of the city where the entrance to this dungeon was. You see, the wizard liked to go out into the forest and pick fruits and find mushrooms and do hunting for his own sustenance. He didn't rely on many other people. Little John found his way over to the entrance down to the dungeon where this wizard lived. On a big sign right next to the door, it simply said, Waldorf. That was the wizard's name. Little John opened the door and began to descend down the stairs. The stairs were jagged in spots and smooth in others. They were cracked here and there. There was pebbles loose in different areas where you had to watch every single step down the stairs. There were strange turns and places where the stairs seemed to fork and then converge back again to the same path. Little John, after a time, wasn't sure how long he'd been going down these steps, but he knew something was off about them. He wondered if maybe he had made a mistake coming to see Waldorf, the wizard. Go ahead. But as he sunk further and further beneath the earth and his nostrils were filled with the musty stench of rot and decay, all of a sudden... He became overwhelmed with a sense of peace. It was breathtaking and also terrifying, if he were to be honest with himself. And as he reached the final step, he locked eyes with the wizard. The wizard, as he turned around, looked nothing more, looked like nothing more than a cook. His apron was dingy and dirty. It looked like it had food stains, what he hoped were food stains, all along the pockets and the straps and the strings. The old wizard dusted his hands off on the pockets and looked at him. Wow, little John says, you look like you've been disguised. You look nothing like the wizard that I have heard about. The old wizard chuckled and said, aye, 
That's what your father said. Go ahead. Little John's eyes shot open as Waldorf spoke those words. He stared at him for a moment, thinking of what to say next. How did you know my father? Little John said. Well, he was a friend of mine, said Waldorf. I've known him for many a year. He used to come down here. He would help me on hunts, help me scavenge. He helped me come up with some of the greatest concoctions of all. You've heard of iodine, haven't you? And he pokes him. Why have I never been told this? said Little John. You see, says Waldorf, I was on a mission to secretly guard you when you were born. I was supposed to watch over you from a distance and make sure nothing bad came to harm you. I know you were supposed to protect me, but what about father? And now with what's happened to mother, I don't understand. Waldorf looks at him and says, There's been lots of things happening around these parts. There seems to be bigger forces at play than we could ever know, and I can only point you in one direction, which is to the castle. Little John was astonished and started asking more and more questions. So Little John and Waldorf spoke for some time. Waldorf made some tea, and they stayed and talked for quite a while. And Little John come to find that not only was the prince not the charming young lad most say he is, but he found that the queen was a jealous type and that she had very deep connections with many of the wizards across the land. And that's when Little John knew what he had to do next. Go ahead. As Little John finished his tea and dusted the dirt and soot off of his pant legs, he noticed behind Waldorf vials and vials and vials and vials of blue, squirmy liquid. It seemed to move the longer he watched it. He didn't know if he was becoming lightheaded from his trip down the stairs or if it was still alive, but it was the most luscious, gorgeous, attention-grabbing blue he had ever seen in his days. And he couldn't help but watch, mesmerize, by the storm that was in the glass. So as he says goodbyes to War- Waldorf and trekked his way up the stairs and back through the forest, one thing laid on the back of his mind, and that was the vials of blue. He couldn't shake it, but he knew he had to find out what it was. So John made his journey through the forest, closer and closer to the village. If it were the queen he needed to find, it was the queen he was going to find. He had more questions than answers at this point, and he had been searching to avenge his father's death for a full 24 hours now. Why was his mother turned? Who was this mysterious wizard who claimed to know his father? And why did he need to go investigate the queen? Go ahead. As little John approached the village where the castle and the queen resided, He walked through the gates and observed the town before he worked his way toward the castle. He saw children playing. He saw bakers baking. He saw the blacksmiths working hard at the anvil. It seemed like a regular town. His mind wasn't made up yet about this queen being so evil. But from what Waldorf said, he knew something was afoot. But in a town this peaceful and this normal, he wasn't quite sure what it was. And the closer he got to this castle, because the city was quite large, the closer he got to the castle, the more he noticed it, the landscape, the people, the feeling of the environment seemed to transform. It seemed like everything became darker the closer he got to the castle. The people became less kind. They didn't wave as much. There weren't as many smiles around. When the children played in the streets, there wasn't nearly as much giggling as much as there was cowering from what those walking by. It seemed something dark was putting itself out into the world, and it seems like the castle may have been the apex of that. He wasn't quite sure what to do. He thought the first thing he needed was to know, what is it about this castle? You can't just walk into a castle and say, I would like to speak with the queen, please, and suddenly the queen appears. 
so he knew he must do a little bit of research before then. He stopped at a close-by store, and he went looking for a book. He decided he would find a book that talked about this castle's history, the rooms, who built it, when it was originally established. He was hoping to find out some kind of hint about the way it was laid out. He knew royalty lived up high, so he figured the tallest tower was likely where their bedroom was. So worst case scenario, he could try to find his way there. Go ahead. But as he stared up the castle walls and noted how many archers looked down below at all times, morning, noon, and night, he knew there was no way that he could scale those walls and reach that tower and reach the top of the king and queen's chambers without being caught or worse, shot dead. Well, said little John, if there's no way that I can go up, there must be a way that I can go down. Little John walked around the castle walls for a day and a half before he spotted a well. Now John didn't quite know where it went, but he really didn't have much to lose at this point, for his stepmother was slowly dying. As her beauty seemed to fade, so did her health. He didn't have much else left. And so John took a dive into the well, and as he swam deeper and deeper and deeper, he started to find himself becoming closer and closer and closer to what would be the walls of the castle. And before long, he emerged in the swampy moat on the inside of the castle walls. Go ahead. As Little John's head broke the surface in the moat, he looked around cautiously, the same way the alligators who were in the moat would look, with their eyes just above the water, just enough their nose as well, to breathe and observe. He knew he had to be fast because, once he realized where he was, he knew that the danger of these alligators was closing in quickly. He looked around in a little bit of a panic and spotted a ladder out of the moat. He began to slowly inch his way up that ladder, making sure that none of the archers on the walls and nobody above that ladder was watching. As Little John made his way up the ladder, he looks over the top, luckily having nothing following behind him. And he doesn't see anybody of any concern ahead, so he looks a little closer and decides to make his dash toward the inside of the castle. He decides to make a back way. It seems that there were some stables. He was hoping there was a connection from the stables into the main castle. He runs into the stables, past the horses, luckily not spooking any too much. Spooping and finds a way to get into the main body of the castle. Now he knew he needed to talk with the queen. If he just happened to find her, would she even speak to him? He needed something that would help him out, or just dumb luck. Either way, he had to be very cautious now, and he had to figure out what to do. Go ahead. (laughs) As... John was toying with the cunningness that all 17-year-old males believe they have. Suddenly, he felt a hand on his shoulder. As he turned around, he met what he believed to be his own eyes. I, the voice said, crackled, really. My long-lost grandson. John stared, trying to put together who this could be. For he had no grandparents. It was impossible. He looked at the hands of the being in front of him and saw they were covered with rings of numerous emeralds, rubies, sapphires, diamonds. It jingled whenever she moved her fingers. And as he moved his eyes up across the brow, across the forehead, he came across a crown. He gasped and went down on one knee. The queen. As he was bowing below her, she put her finger under his chin and raised him up. You've returned, she said. John didn't know what to say. How could this be? Why was she calling him grandson? 
As the queen lifted him up and locked eyes with him again, she grabbed his face and said, You look just like your father. The last time I saw him alive. Go ahead. Little John wasn't sure what to make of this. In that moment, he felt tiny. He felt as if the queen was towering above him just through the intimidation of staring into her eyes. Go ahead. (laughs) Ah, yes, he was frightened and wanted nothing more to run back to his cottage and rejoin the life he once had with his father and his stepmother. But his legs were frozen. They couldn't move. He wanted nothing more to escape, but he couldn't. The queen stared at him in a way that turned from love to belittle. You were supposed to be king, she bellowed. You were supposed to be the one with the crown, but your father had to run away with the servant. Go ahead. Little John gasped as it all clicked inside of his head. He had heard that the prince was not that good of a person. Little did he know the prince was his father. Those were lies being spread about his father. And little did he know that his mother was just a mere servant in the castle. This was all information that just blew his mind. His ever-loving mind. His ever-loving mind. He felt like there were so many more questions that arose from this interaction. But he was still stuck. He had no clue how to proceed from here. He asked the queen, My mother has lost her beauty and is slowly dying. My father was killed. Was it you? Go ahead. The queen let out a chuckle and rolled her eyes. My, aren't you a wise one, my grandson? Aren't you clever and smart? Well, it was surely not I who killed your father. But I know who did. I had put out a request for a spell to take your stepmother's beauty, just like she took your father away from me. With that, the queen walked over to her vanity and picked up a vial of a blue liquid with enough beauty and awe to make John lose his breath. He knew where he had seen that before. Waldorf, he has betrayed my father. Go ahead. Little John's body filled with anger. He became mortified at this realization. He spent quite a while talking with Waldorf about his father. He felt like Waldorf was a good man, a good wizard. But now he has to double-think everything that he has learned in these past few days. Past day. It's only been one day, he thought to himself. (laughs) It's been like two. He walked around the castle for a little bit. It's been two days, he said to himself. I cannot believe this. Go ahead. Believe it or not, the queen said, this is your reality. Waldorf was a friend of your father's, but unbeknownst to him, he was also a friend of mine. And with that, the queen took the small vial of blue and threw it on the ground, shattering it into millions and millions of little pieces. And in that moment, John knew his stepmother was dead. He looked at the queen, who looked back at him with open arms. I am your family now, John. Join the kingdom. John thought for a moment. Surely he could. He had no choice but to make the kingdom his home. The queen was his grandmother, after all, and technically the only family he had left. But just as John considered to put on the crown and take over the land that was rightfully his, he thought about his father and what he gave up to give him the life that he had. No, said John. Instead, I will go home. But the queen said, you have no home. This is your home. But John couldn't take it. He left the palace and went back to his humble farm and 
buried his stepmother with his father. They were buried in the same grave and the kingdom mourn. Not only did the queen lose her grandson again, but never again could she separate John's father and stepmother. Are you telling me that a queen with some kind of magical powers is just going to let him walk out of that castle? Yeah. She was shocked. It also took him seventeen <laughs> took her seventeen years to be able to kill her son, and she's the queen, so she's not really that quick at thinking. So she she couldn't stop him at all. Do you want to start she, going through your plot holes? She had guards. Do you want to start going through your plot holes? No, I was so close. If it would have came to me, I could have finished it. <laughs> well, too bad I finished uh, it. And it was a damn good ending. It was right. spoopy. I'm still calling BS on your ending, but no. for time constraints of the podcast, what was your ending? For time constraints of the podcast. I think we can move forward now. Everything's okay. How are you going to end it? All right. The way I was going to end it was little John was going to be surprised. He didn't know what to do, and he was angry, and he knew that the queen couldn't continue. So he looks around the room. She's a queen, after all. They have decorations. There is a decorative (laughs) sword going to be on the wall. John lunges for the sword. The queen tries to grab him, but being that she's a little bit older, he manages to kick her away and grab the sword. He begins to swing as she runs because he knows he has to put an end to this because she could hurt anybody. As he's swinging, he is careless. He's not trained in the manners of swordsmanship. He knocks a torch off the wall. Things start to go crazy. People come in. Guards come in wielding axes. He has to try to fight his way out, and it's not working well. This has turned into Robin Hood men in tights. Shh. Little John is wounded, but the guards turn distracted because the upstairs seems to be on fire. And little John wounded crawls from the castle while it's burning, and the flames rolled higher and the wicked place was destroyed. How'd he crawl from the castle, Delton? He keeps crawling because he's wounded. It's How not a mortal crawl wound. From the ca- castle? How do you crawl from the castle? You just crawl. He came if in he, one way, he can go out that way. If he went up the stairs to get to the queen's chambers, how is he going to well, crawl back down? He was fighting down? his way down. And he was at the floor when all the guards rush in. And, and then, so he just like army crawled out of a burning building? Well, the upstairs was on fire, not the downstairs. But they had to go get it put out so they didn't lose the castle. But alas. Alas! They tell me a queen with magical powers couldn't just put out the fire. Yep. All right. I like my ending better. Y'all vote. <laughs> We're going to put up a poll. Delton put up a poll on Malthouse Games on Twitters. Who had the better ending, Haley or Delton? You'll have to remind me on Sunday. I will. Okay. There you go. That's basically Once Upon a Time. Uh, we tried to make it interesting. It probably wasn't. It also went way longer than I thought it was going to. And we ended every <laughs> sentence with, and then. <laughs> and he said, then he said this, and then this happened, and then this. he was this. a wizard. It's a fun game. Uh, I had fun doing that. It's one of those things where it's like I have this whole plan in my head, and then Haley hops in and goes, but instead, and then it goes a different direction. Go, but, instead, but that's what's fun. I have never jumped. I never even use my interrupt cards. Every time you're like, I didn't go either. ahead. And I'm like, okay, this is where it's going. I get stuck and I just have to pass and it. And I say, 911, Agent Michael Skarn, FBI, <laughs> you're under arrest. Uh, it's like, uh, give me the information. They start to talk. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> he said uh, he has a gun. I have to put my hands up. Exactly. So that's Once Upon a Time. Hopefully you enjoyed our weird little shenanigan there. Uh, We enjoy the game. Like I said, it's fun. That's a fun thing to do with a lot of friends, especially if you have some drinks, get loosey-goosey. And you can be as silly or as serious as you want with the game. Uh, We try to take it a little more serious, but when you get close to the end, it's hard not to push the story along faster and faster as you get there. It's like you want to set up a lot of stuff, but then you realize that's all stuff you have to kind of close out if you want it to be good. So it's like, meh. Like when I said the prince was bad, well, whenever you revealed his dad was actually the prince, I was like, oh no, I have to address that now. (laughs) (laughs) Pothole. Pothole, fix it. So, you didn't do many character voices. Neither did you. I did the old man. Waldorf. For like four seconds. And little John. I I did the old man too. That's true. But the queen, I was hoping you would do something really like deceitful sounding and... That's not. (laughs) The queen is Grandma B. But still. However, voices are fun to do. Usually when I do it, I tell it in a really weird storytelling voice. I'm like, 
And then the boy entered into the kingdom. When he walked down the streets, he ran into the baker. Why, hello, Miss Baker, he said. Why, hello, little Billy, the baker said back. And I usually do that kind of dumb stuff, but I didn't this time because I wanted to be a little more serious sounding for Halloween. Speaking of dumb voices, let's get to the question of the episode. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special, Pint Size Question. We will do a question this episode, which is, what is your favorite voice to do when you're telling stories? I love doing like the little old lady, and she just loves making pies for all the children. And then little Billy comes over, and he brings me special beets to put in the beet pie. And oh, when it's cooling in the window, it smells so delicious. It reminds me of the good old days back when me and... Oh, bless his soul, passed away now, but me and old Mr. Wilson used to bake pies together. I love doing that. That went from <laughs> little boy to Whitey from Eight Crazy Nights no. to the old man and family guy who wants to give kids candy. Oh, that went. Yeah. That was a progression right there. Well, you see, I'm really bad at voice acting stuff. And I say voice acting. I'm bad at doing voices and accents and things. So there we are. I always want to talk like this, but after a while, I start to sound like Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello! <laughs> Whenever she has, like, the whipped cream on her face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I really try and do, like, this really oh. powerful, like, English landlady voice, but then I just sound like Mrs. Doubtfire. So I have to give up halfway through. And that's why the queen sounded just like me, just raspier. Yeah, just a slight bit. It's subtleties. That's what we go for. We go for subtleties. Subtleties. There you go. Thank you for tuning in to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode 52 for Halloween. Spoopy. Hopefully you enjoyed this experimental, weird gameplay episode. Hopefully you enjoyed my ending better than Dalton's. I think mine's still better, but, you know, I like catching things on fire, so it's fine. Well, I just know mine is best. <laughs> mine was a grave. Spoopy Halloween, spoopy town. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's fine. Thank you again for listening. If you want to hit us up on social media, it is at Malthouse Games. M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. And you can find Haley at... S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you have a topic you want us to cover or a question for us to answer on the episode, or if you want to tell us how bad we are at telling stories in Once Upon a Time, send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. And if there's anything else, hit us up on any of those different platforms, social medias, emails, whatever you want to do. I think that that's going to be everything from us today. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, God. <laughs>